you know, the impact that the Harlem Renaissance had on, on art and music and culture. And it was kind of just the big bang of all those things together. And, and I was always curious about what happened, what, what made it start, uh, what caused the Harlem Renaissance to happen. But, you know, some of those questions are, you know, for the scholars to find out that. But I do know some things that happened. You know, one of the things that happened was this mi mass migration. You know, like the turn of the century, you know, 300,000 people came out of the South and settled in all the cities, you know, Kansas City, Detroit, Chicago, New York. And then after the war, 400,000 more came. And then by 1940, uh, 4 million more came. And that's where it really began. And that's what people began talking about in the, in the turn of the century, around 1920. And they called it a problem because those people weren't a problem when they were down south. <laughs> but suddenly, they were a problem. I'll give you an example. There were tons of books that were written that all talked about the problem. Uh, everybody, everybody had an answer to the problem. Uh, there was the, the Negro question, the Negro problem, the Negro and the Southerners problem, interracial problems, African questions, the Native problems, race problems in America. It just went on and on and on, everybody writing about the problem. And there was actually a, a, a poet named Frank Marshall Davis, and he wrote a poem about the problem. And if you don't know that name, he's the guy that Barack Obama met when he was a young man in Hawaii. Uh, Frank Marshall Davis was a poet from Kansas, and he wrote about the problem. He wrote about a man named Giles Johnson. Giles Johnson had four college degrees. He knew the why for of this, the wherefore of that. He could orate in Latin or cuss in Greek. And having learned such things, he died of starvation <laughs> because he wouldn't teach and he couldn't porter. And that was the problem. That was the problem. Those are the two jobs that you could get uh, if you were very educated in those days. And so he wrote about the problem. Langston Hughes, an, another young poet, uh, went to New York, and he wrote about the problem. His was called Dinner Guest Me. I know I am the Negro problem, being wined and dined and answering the usual questions that come to white mind, which seeks demurely to probe in a polite way the why and wherewithal of Darkness USA. Wondering how things got this way in current Democratic night, murmuring gently over phrases, Dubois, I'm so ashamed of being white. The lobster is delicious, the wine is divine, and the center of attention at the Damask table mine. To be a problem on Park Avenue at 8 is not so bad. Solutions to the problem, of course, can wait. So he was making a kind of pointing his finger at a lot of the people who were in New York at that time who were doing really well, and they were deciding that it really wasn't a problem for everybody. It was just a problem for a few of them. But there was a song called Trouble in Mind I'm going to play for you. And this is one of the songs that was part of that era because what was happening is blues, jazz, gospel, and spiritual music. This amalgamation was taking place, and all these musics were coming together. And they were bringing blues out of the South, and jazz musicians were picking up on it. They were bringing spirituals out of the South, and blues musicians were playing them. So this is a song that kind of combined all those together. This is called Trouble in Mind. And Frank Marshall said he actually heard this song around 1912. He said the W.C. Handy Band was traveling around, and he went to a party. He was a young man in those days, and this is the song that he heard him play. shine through my back door someday 
troubles don't keep me I'm gonna rock myself away from here Trouble in mind I'm blue But I won't be blue always The sun's gonna shine through my back door someday When you've got trouble on your mind All you can do is cry Trouble in mind, I'm blue My poor heart is beating slow I might get better but I won't be happy, no But I won't be happy no more. Thank you. Thank you. So they decided they're going to they're going to solve this problem. And one of the ways they thought they could solve this problem was they would invite young artists, you know, like Langston Hughes and Frank Marshall Davis and all these poets and dancers and musicians to come to New York and try to solve the problem through their art. Because the Harlem Renaissance was something that was taking place outside of, you know, mainstream American art. Uh, it was they were it was taking place in Harlem. And they thought maybe we could use art as propaganda. You had to use your art to focus on the problem and how they did that was by offering you know scholarships and and awards and and you know if you could write a poem and get it printed in a magazine you'd get two hundred dollars and that was a lot of money you know you could go to college for a semester or two on two hundred dollars so they encouraged all these young musicians and artists to all come to new york I'll, I'll do a song for you called there's a boat that's leaving for new york and this is one of the songs i learned from a woman named eva jesse uh, when I was a, a young college student, uh, she was associated with Porgy and Bess for 50 years. She was the choral director. And I didn't really know who she was, you know, but I remember my first meeting with her. Uh, she was 89 years old, and she had come to the university I was going to, and everybody was so excited about her. And I remember the first thing she said to me, she pointed her cane at me and said, button up that shirt, young man, and don't ever wear those sneakers around me again. She didn't want any of that stuff. But she introduced me to this music and introduced me to uh, everything about the Harlem Renaissance. She was kind of my link, you know, to the Harlem Renaissance. But this is a song called There's a Boat That's Leaving to New York. There's a boat that's leaving soon to New York. Come with me. That's where we belong You and me can live the high life in New York Come with me That's where we belong I'll buy you the swellest mansion Upon Upper Fifth Avenue We'll go strutting, girl. There'll be nothing too good for you. I'll dress you in silks and satin in the latest Paris styles, and your blues you'll be 
forgetting You'll be forgetting, girl There'll be nothing but smiles There's a boat that's leaving soon to New York Give it the wicked and buy you a chicken and come to New York. Can you lick it? Give it the wicked, buy you a chicken and come to New York. Thank you. Thank you. I'll give you an idea of the, the kind of poems that. They would write, you know, you'd want, to get, you'd want to write a poem that had the problem in it, and they would encourage you to write this poem, and it would get printed in the magazine. The magazine would get distributed all over the country, and people, you know, from all over the world would read about what's going on. And this is a poem by Claude McKay. It's called If We Must Die. And this was written in response to Red Summer. And there were so many riots and things all over America during Red Summer uh, that this poem kind of says, well, we can't be in all those places where those things were happening, uh, but we can write a poem about it and maybe share this with the world. He wrote, If We Must Die. If we must die, let it not be like hogs hunted and pinned in an inglorious spot while round us bark the mad and hungry dogs, making their mock at our cursed lot. If we must die, oh, let us nobly die so that our precious blood may be not shed in vain. Then even the monsters we defy shall be constrained to honor us, though dead. O kinsmen, we must meet the common foe, though far outnumbered. Let us show us brave, and for their thousand blows deal one death blow. What though before us lies the open grave? Like men will face the murderous cowardly pack, pressed to the wall, dying, but fighting back. And that was his response uh, to the Red Summer. Another way that, that they thought they could solve this problem was they had a, they had a formula. And they thought they could actually rediscover the past, rediscover history. You know, because in those days they thought, you know, they thought African-American history began in 1619, you know, when the first slave ship pulled up. You know, there was a young man who was in Cuba, Arturo Schomburg, and he was told when he was a young man that he didn't have any history. So you don't have any history like the English, the French, the German. You don't have any history. But he challenged that notion, finally came to America. He was going to be a lawyer, but his... Records, I guess, didn't transfer over, but he became a clerk in a, in a mail room, an office, and he wound up collecting history for his whole life. He had his apartment stacked high, and today that's the Schoenberg uh, Museum of African-American, you know, artifacts and studies. He donated all that work uh, to the New York Public Library System, and that's where we got all that. Well, he's kind of responsible for this rediscovery because that was one of the things he did was show all this. He would have people all over the world collect stuff. If somebody was going to Italy or Scotland, he would know about something that was over there, and he would dispatch that person and say, you need to find this for me and bring it back. Well, Langston Hughes was on a train, and he had been visiting his father, and his father was in Mexico, and his father told him, you know, why don't you come to Mexico and live? You know, you don't have to be black. You can just shed it off. Take it all off. Come to Mexico. And, and Langston Hughes had done this before. He said he would get jobs on a steamer ship and tell people he was Puerto Rican or something. Just so he could take it off for a while, you know. He said, take it off, you know. But his father said, just come to Mexico. Well, on the train, he wrote, a, he wrote one of his most famous poems, you know, The Negro Speaks of Rivers, based on that history, you know, that didn't start in 1619, but it was part of ancient Africa. And that was one of his poems that he's uh, very well known for. And, you know, a lot of the research that Arturo did 
uh, led him to, to discover that for himself. Well, here's that poem. I actually set it to music, and this is my version of that poem that Langston Hughes wrote. I've known rivers. I've known rivers. rivers I've known rivers ancient dusky rivers my soul is grown deep like the You know, something else that happened is that they, they rediscovered the spirituals. And these were songs that went back, you know, maybe 1840 to 1850 when people first began discovering these songs. But they kind of died out, and then they would get popular again. The Fist Jubilee Choir toured with them. But by the 1920s, nobody had thought about them anymore. And, and William Dubois rediscovered the spirituals. But his idea was that spirituals and blues and jazz music, they were like raw material. You know, he thought we had to make it more palatable you know, for the American public. You know, and I always considered, you know, when I first named this program, I called it Blues in Concert because I looked at blues as a metaphor for African-American culture and concert a metaphor for mainstream American culture. And so that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to change it all around. And that's why today when you hear spirituals, you know, you hear it done classically. You know, opera singers, there's a lot of uh, classical musicians have done symphonic music based on the spirituals, but they were really just folk songs. But they were new material, you know, it was new melodies. And that's really what pushes American music on, is the invention or the, the idea that this is a new melody. We've never heard this before. I'm going to do one of the, maybe I'll do one of these songs for you that called Follow the Drinking Gourd, and this may be one of the most popular of them. Lots of choirs had done different arrangements of this song. And I think the reason this song had been around for so many years and why so many people knew it is because it was kind of a useful song. 
you know, if you were leaving the South, you had to you had to know this song and all the words to it. So lots of people knew this song. If you're going to take that trip walking out of the South, it might take you a year to do that. When I grew up, they said my great great grandfather walked from West Virginia to Texas, and I I envisioned this old man with a cane walking all the way from West Virginia. He said, no, he was like 18 or 19 years old when he did that. He wasn't an old man. And it probably took him a year to do that. But he was following the drinking gourd. When the sun comes back in the first quill. On the next Radio Lab, how far can you push the human body before it breaks? I was starting to have nightmares, but I was awake. People seeing secret code in the cracks of the road. Riders jumping off their bikes to square off and fight mailboxes. We'll bring you the story of one race. It's a race that is designed to reveal what human limits are. That's on the next Radio Lab. Sunday morning at 11 on WXPR.
This is probably a song that he heard, and you can always tell it's a banjo song because the, the first uh, or the song is, I hate to see. Got it right off the banjo, probably. Thank you indeed. Well, you did it now. Now you got to hear another banjo song. See, <laughs> actually, I'm, I think I will do another song. This is one called "Roll Jordan Roll," and this is also, you know, that's the melody of the song right there. And so this was one of the earlier spirituals, and this is another song that uh, became kind of classical uh, as it got moved into the 20, 1920s. Uh, you know, Paul Robeson and Mahalia Jackson and all these guys picked up the spirituals and added it into their, you know, into their repertoire. It's classical music. But this is probably what it sounded like a long time ago. And this one was collected probably around, 18, around the 1860s at the opening of the Civil War. You know, the Union blockaded that part of the South and, and they started the Civil War Mission Project. And they sent teachers and military people down there. And one of the things they did was they collected songs. And that's really where we got the spirituals from the Civil War Mission Project. Roll Jordan, roll. Say let your days be long Roll Jordan, roll Roll Jordan, roll Now let no man or spiteful word Be heard upon your tongue Roll Jordan, roll Roll Jordan, roll Roll Jordan, roll Roll Jordan, roll When I die, I wanna go to heaven See old Jordan, roll Hey sister, should've been there Yes, my Lord, sitting in the kingdom to see old Jordan roll. Hey, brother, 
should have been there. Yes, my Lord, sitting in the kingdom to see old Jordan roll. Roll, Jordan roll. Roll, Jordan roll. When I die, I want to go to heaven to see old Jordan roll. Roll, Jordan roll. Roll, Jordan roll. Roll, Jordan roll. Roll, Jordan roll. When I die, I want to go to heaven to see old Jordan Well, you know, one of the things that I always believe typified the Harlem Renaissance, you know, whatever it was, it was this mass migration of people. And, you know, that's where all these songs about moving and traveling and Strangers Blues and Alabama Bound. There's just a wealth of, of those songs about people moving and traveling. Uh, maybe I'll do a few of them for you. This one is called Strangers Blues. Stranger here, just pull into town. Yes, I'm a stranger here, just pull into town. And because I'm a stranger, everybody dog me around. I'm gonna write to my daddy, send me my railroad bill. I'm gonna write to my daddy, send me my railroad fare. And if he don't send it, I don't mind walking there. Alabama bound, Alabama bound. I'm Alabama bound. Alabama bound Sure as the train goes south, sweet darling I'm Alabama bound It might be raining, it might be cold Place I'm going, good God, the weather suits my clothes I'm Alabama bound Sure as a train goes south, sweet darling, I'm Alabama bound. Bundle up on my clothes. Hey, 
Hey, pretty mama, hey, pretty papa, all about a bundle of clothes. When I got there, she was laying on a pulling board. Before I die, I think I want to stop by friend. Hey, pretty mama, hey, pretty papa, I think I want to stop by friends. I want to stop by friends for the pretty women a chance. Before I die, don't you bury poor daddy at all. Hey, pretty mama, hey, pretty papa, about dying at all. Take my bones and put them in alcohol. Before I die, you take my picture, you put it in a frame. Hey, pretty mama, hey, pretty papa, all about my picture in a frame. That way you can see poor daddy every day just the same. Gonna take a trip down the mobile line. Hey, pretty mama, hey, pretty papa, all about the mobile line. Honey, it's a road to ride these young troubled minds. You know, one of the things that the kind of conflict during the Harlem Renaissance with these younger people coming in and they thought, you know, we don't have to make this blues and we don't have to make it more palatable. You know, people, the music is fine the way it is and we don't have to make people talk a different way. You know, some poems that Claude McKay wrote were kind of, you know, more sophisticated sounding. And this younger group came in and said, we don't have to do that. We can use dialect. We can write poems and, and the way people, you know, just the way people talk. That's art in itself. So there's a guy wrote a poem called The Birth of John Henry. And this is one of the poems that he wrote. And this is one that the older guys during the Harlem Renaissance, they really wanted to change the dialect poetry. They wanted him to polish it up. But it's kind of a new radical group of young people coming in. And they said, this is, this is the way we're going to write poems. The night John Henry is born, an axe of lightning splits the sky. And a hammer of thunder pounds the earth, and eagles and panthers cry. John Henry, he says to his ma and his pa, get a gallon of barley corn. I want to start out right like a he-man child the night I'm born. Says, I want some ham hocks, some ribs, some jowls, a pot of cabbage, and some greens, some whole cakes, jam, buttermilk, platter of pork, and beans. John Henry's ma, she wrings her hand. His pa scratches his head. John Henry, he curses in giraffe-tall words, flips over, and kicks down the bed. He's burning mad like a bear on fire, so he tears down to the riverside. He stoops to drink. Old Man River gets scared and runs upstream to hide. Some say he's born in Georgia, oh Lord, some say Alabama, but it's writ on a rock in the Big Bend Tunnel. Louisiana was my home, so scram. <laughs> and that was how the young people were going to write. They weren't going to write like Claude McKay and, and the real flowery, you know, English-sounding stuff. And uh, there was another one by, uh, there's another poem that's kind of, Gwendolyn Brooks wrote this one. We real cool. We left school. We lurk late. We strike straight. We sing sin. We think gin. We jazz June. We die soon. <laughs> See, I'll, I'll do John Henry for you, because... Because really, the work had almost already been done, you know. When, when you think of the song John Henry, you think about it as a jazz musicians have done this song, bluegrass musicians have done the song folk, blues. So the, 
the music had already spoken for itself and had spread its spread its wings all over. John Henry was a little baby. He was sitting on his daddy's knee. Well, he picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel. He said, "Till the hammer's gone, be the death of me." Captain said to John Henry, "I'm gonna bring my steam hammer around. I'm gonna take that steam hammer up on the job. I'm gonna whip steam hammer down." John Henry went up on that mountain with a 16-pound hammer by his side. Well, the last thing I heard was. John Henry say, give me a cool drink of water before I die. Henry had a little woman. Her name was Paulina. Henry got sick and he had to lay down. Paulina swung that hammer like a man. Who's gonna shoot your feet, girl? Who's gonna glove your hand? Who's gonna kiss your little pretty cheeks? Who's gonna be your ever-loving man? Daddy's gonna shoot my feet. Mama's gonna glove my hand. Sister will kiss my little pretty cheeks. I don't need no ever-loving man. Henry had a little baby. Why you could hold him in the palms of your hand? He said, Now when I grow up, I'm gonna be a steel driving man. You know, there's another version of this song because a lot of people didn't think he was a hero. You know. That version, they, they said, he hammered his fool self to death. <laughs> he hammered his fool self to death. He said, a man is a man. They said, but John, you know, steam is steam. And John said, you know, a hammer is a hammer. And they said, well, John, steel is steel. And before. I let that hammer beat me down. I will die with that hammer in my hand. I will die with that hammer in my hand. And before that, it was just a folk holler. You know my partner coming down the line. Said he heard. Walking bossy, John Henry. Zentano number nine. And he hammered his fool self to death. Yes, he hammered his fool self to death. Hammered his fool self to death. Hammered his fool self to death. Thank you.
long, long way from home. Yes, I'm a poor, poor, long, long way from home. Got no one, nobody to call my own. I wonder if my good girl knows I'm here. Oh, I wonder if my good girl knows I'm here. Yes, I wonder if my good girl really cares. Gonna find me a woman before tomorrow night. Gonna find me a woman before tomorrow night. I'm gonna show that girl. I'll do a song for you I learned from Eva Jesse, and it was called My Old Captain. And this is a song that goes back to when they were building the levees and the Army Corps of Engineers were supervising that work. And that's where you get the songs that they say, My Old Captain this, My Old Captain that. That's where that term comes from. Because those were the bosses, and they, they probably weren't any better on those guys than plantation, you know, drivers anyway. But this is called My Old Captain. Captain was blind, darling. If I'd have known, my captain was blind, darling. If I'd have known, my captain was blind. Wouldn't have come to work until half past nine, darling. If I'd have known my captain was deaf, darling. If I'd have known my captain was deaf, darling. If I'd have known my captain was deaf, I would have fussed at him as long as I had breath, darling. Said when he die, he's gonna set me free. Darling, you know he said when he die, he's gonna set me free, darling. He got old and his head got bald, you know he got on the notion of ever dying at all, darling. That old captain had one glass eye, darling. 
That old captain had one glass eye, darling. He walk away and leave his eye on a rock. Glass eye, we watch us till six o'clock, darling. Thank you. Let's see, I'll do a, a song for you by a guy named Georgia Tom Dorsey. And he was a piano player, and he would play at what they call rent parties. Because you can imagine all these people migrating, you know, out of the South, hundreds of thousands of them, that there really wasn't enough, you know, places for people to go and listen to music. And also, a lot of people didn't have any money, and like if you owed your landlord $50 for rent, and you only had $25, well, your landlord wasn't going to take the $25. So you would take that $25 and you would get George or Tom Dorsey to play piano at your house for $8. He'd play all night long for $8 and you'd take the rest of it and you'd buy refreshments, things for people to enjoy while they're at your house party. Now, in those days, you couldn't get away with chips and cookies. You know, you had to have <laughs> greens and, you know, collard greens and fried chicken and all that good stuff. And then you'd sell tickets. And I think in, a, in, in one of these old books, I saw a picture of one of those little tickets. They were like 25 cents, you know, 15 cents to get in. And you'd go out on the street and sell those tickets, and you would make that money back. And they said there was probably 800 of these all over Harlem, you know, every night. And that people would go to these things, learn how to do the Charleston. They would, you know, eat soul food. And, and it was funny because they said, you know, it got to be so popular that even in, in upper Manhattan, they started having rent parties, but they would cast their party, you know. They would bring in, you know, a famous writer and a famous dancer. Uh, maybe somebody was visiting from overseas, uh, like a famous person from Spain or something. And there was an opera singer came over, and they decided, well, we'll get Betsy Smith, this opera singer, and we can get, you know, maybe Duke Ellington and maybe a classical musician, you know, Ravel or something, and get them chatting and talking. And so everybody had a chance to play a little bit of music or do a little bit of a thing. And, and, and Betsy Smith sang something. She was the famous blues singer, and the, the opera singer sang something. And Betsy Smith heard her and said, Honey, don't let nobody tell you you can't sing, honey. Yeah. And they were trading ideas back and forth. But that's what the upper people in, in, in upper Manhattan, they did. They would cast these parties. But down on the lower end, you know, in Harlem, uh, it was really just a wild party. And Georgia Tom Dorsey played a song called it's tight like that. And I remember I was doing a, a, a school show years ago, and, and this young kid, he, he saw me, and he said, did you see that car outside, man? That car was tight, man. It was tight. And I didn't know whether he knew people been saying that for 100 years. That's how far that goes back. Mandy Lee Jones like the party at night. You know, she don't come home till it's broad daylight because it's tight like that. Yes, it's tight like that. Hear me talking to you, oh, you know, tight like that. She don't go to single parties at one time. She go to four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine because they tight like that. Yes, they tight like that. Hear me talking to you, oh, you know, they tight like that. They tight like that. Yeah, they tight. Oh, they tight. Oh, they tight. Hear me talking to you. Oh, you know they tight like that. The rent parties in Harlem up and down the street. You never know the kind of people you're going to meet because they tight. Oh, they tight. 
night and meet the governor, king or queen, cabbies and the doorman, the hustlers and the thief, because they tight. Oh, they tight. Oh, they tight. Yeah, they tight. Hear me talking to you. Oh, you know, you're tight like that. You're tight like that. Oh, they tight like that. Oh, they tight like that. Yeah, they tight like that. Hear me talking to you. Oh, you know, they tight like that. Thank you. You know, at the end of the Harlem Renaissance, we know a lot of people extend it out to the 40s, but definitely during the Depression, it changed a lot of things. And, you know, what they said is that it, it kind of showed people that, you know, money drives culture and how much it really took the money that was really behind all that art and, and beautiful music and, and poetry and all the output. It really took the money. And once the money was out of the system, the, the Harlem Renaissance ended and, and it changed. I mean, a lot of the artists got, you know, work in the WPA and things like that. Uh, Langston Hughes wrote a poem about what happened after when he visited Harlem and, and he saw that it was none of the rent parties were there and no, none of the work was being done anymore. And it was his poem, uh, What Happens to a Dream Deferred. Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust over and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it explode? And that's what he was talking about, the, the end of the Harlem Renaissance and this glorious period in, in, in music and art and literature. But, you know, the body of work is just, is just really fabulous that was created. And the attitude that art, you know, art does play a, have a place in, in changing people. I'll do another song that uh, was part of that whole, that whole thing. It was called One Meatball. And this is a song that... Uh, so I hope you guys have had enough to eat because... This is a man who not so lucky. Little man walked up and down to find an eating place in town. He searched the menu through and through to see what 15 cents would do. One meatball. One meatball He could afford just one meatball He told the waiter near at hand About the simple meal he planned The guests were astounded One and all to hear the waiter loudly call down the hall One meatball One meatball This here gin wants One meatball Little man felt ill at ease some bread, sir, if you please. He was astounded by the call. You get no bread with one meatball. One meatball with no spaghetti. One meatball. 
You get no bread with one meatball. Little man was very sad. One meatball was all he had. And in his dreams he hears the call. You get no bread with one meatball. One meatball with no spaghetti. One meatball, you get no rigatoni. One meatball, you get no antipasta. One meatball, you get no lasagna. One meatball, you get no linguine. One meatball, you get no tortellini. One meatball, you get no mostaglioli. One meatball, you get no raviolis. One meatball, you get no elbow macaroni. One meatball, you get no barbecue bologna. I was just seeing if anybody was listening. <laughs> You get a line, I get a pole, honey. You get a line, I get a pole, babe. Said you get a line, I get a pole. I will go fishing at the crawdad hole, honey. Baby, be mine. Wake up, old man, you slept too late, honey. Wake up, old man, you slept too late, babe. Wake up, old man, you slept too late to cry. Dead man done pass your gate, honey. Baby, be mine. I've got a house in Baltimore, honey. I've got a house in Baltimore, baby. Oh, I've got a house in Baltimore. I got a $40 carpet on my floor, honey. Baby, be mine. I was singing this song down in Appalachian Mountains, and I had a conversation with a guy who talked about how beautiful it was in those mountains. He said, it'd be nice to live down here in these mountains like this. He said, yeah, but all the flat spots been taken. And he was serious. So that's what people were singing about when they said, my old man's got a house on a lot, oh, man. My old man's got a house on a lot, babe. Oh, my old man's got a house on a lot. Your old man got diddly squat. Honey, baby, be mine. You get a line, I get a pole, honey. You get a line, I get a pole, babe. You get a line, I get a pole. We'll go fishing at the crawdad hole, honey. Baby, be mine. Thank you. Thank you. This is another song that came out of the Depression. It's called Poor Man. Walk the floor and scratch your head, poor man. Walk the floor and scratch your head. 
walk the floor, scratch your head. You got ten little babies crying to be fed, poor man. Ten little babies gnawing on a bone, poor man. Ten little babies gnawing on a bone. You got ten little babies gnawing on a bone. Ten little bellies moaning and groaning, poor man. Singing, poor man. Poor man. Poor man, poor man. Singing, poor man, poor man. Now where them hens that used to lay, poor man. Now where them hens that used to lay. Now where them hens that used to lay. Oh, they all got hungry. They flew away, poor man. Big wind blown your barn away, poor man. Big wind blown your barn away. Oh, the cyclone blown your barn away. Your horses and your cows gone astray, poor man. Singing, poor man, poor man. Poor man, poor man. Singing, poor man. Now see them jackrabbits jumping round, poor man. See them jackrabbits jumping round. Now see them jackrabbits jumping round. Go and get your gun, go and get your hound, poor man. Well, you got no shells for your gun, poor man. Oh, you got no shells for your gun. Well, you got no shells for your gun. Your hound's so hungry, he can't run, poor man. Singing, poor man, poor man, poor man, poor man. Singing, poor man, poor man. You got no bread and you got no meat, poor man. Oh, you got no bread and you got no meat. You got no bread and you got no meat. You're getting kind of hungry. What you gonna eat, poor man? Singing, poor man, poor man. You like your coffee black and hot, poor man. Oh, you like your coffee black and hot. You like your coffee black and hot. You got no coffee and you got no hot, poor man. Singing, poor man, poor man. Singing poor man, poor man. Yeah. Thank you. Well, let's see, I got time for one last song. I think I'll do a song called Take Time. And this is a West African song, and I like to kind of give people an idea of where this music all came from. And I had a friend that went to West Africa, he was in the Peace Corps, he went to Liberia, and I sang this song with him, and, and he said, oh yeah, take time, you know, people used to say that when they want to say goodbye. They would say, take time, my friend, and that's where this song comes from. As I was passing by, my neighbor called to me, and he said to me, take time in life. He said, take time in life. He said, take time in life. He said, take time in life. We have so far to go. 
Take time in life. 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 We have so far to go. As I was passing by, my father called to me, and he said to me, "Take time in life." He said, "Take time in life." He said, "Take time in life." He said, "Take time in life." We have so far to go. Take time in life. 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 We have so far to go. Take time, 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 take time in life. We have so far to go. Take time in life. We have so far to go. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Take time, everybody. Thank you. Take time, my friends. And Bye -bye. Uh, that was fun. Our thanks to everyone here. Let's do it again. It'll be on the website at wxpr.org this evening if you'd like to hear the concert again. Um, our thanks to Kari. Our thanks to Art Start. And one more time for Lem Shepard. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. And in the middle of the night, I may watch you go. There'll be no valley 